This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to continue our series of expectations. And these are shows where we take two players from the Ravens, one offense and one defense, talk to one of the local analysts about that. And uh, I've had a lot of fun doing these over the years. Uh, this is the second year doing them and, and uh, gives us a cross-sectional view at some position groups. At least that's the hope. To talk, to talk to me today is Dan Ibrahimi. Dan, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. Thank you for having me on again. Great to great to enjoy. Always enjoy talking football with you. Today we're going to talk about Tyler Huntley and Brandon Stevens, an offensive and defensive player. Obviously, some guys. Uh, not everything ended exactly the way they would like in 2022. Huntley with a big fumble, and Brandon Stevens ended up the the year injured. Didn't even get to play in either of the Cincinnati games. Yeah, no, it was um, it, it was a kind of a whirlwind for for both. I mean, with Brandon Stevens, I don't know. Did we ever find out what that mystery illness he got in Cincinnati was? Because that was that was really disappointing, and and it kind of felt like with the Atlanta and, uh, and Pittsburgh games uh, the two weeks before that, you know, it, it was going to be really interesting to see how he played in that uh, that season finale. Yeah, I, I never I never heard more about it, and it may have come out in a press conference, or people honestly may have lost interest. In in the topic when you have a big fumble like that uh and you're part of the media you, you don't want to ask your one question about what what was the injury or what was the absolutely the illness with brandon stevens anyway obviously missed those games that was a little disappointing let's let's go ahead and talk about tyler huntley first if you're okay with that sure thing so he took the place of lamar jackson to close out the season it's actually the third straight year this has happened in 20 of course he took over in the playoff game after lamar took a big hit um and then took over in each of the last two seasons for multiple games uh, 21 season, the Ravens, you know, despite playing with a lot of disadvantages after, frankly, being a miracle team for a little over half a season, about 11 games, um, they were in position to be the number one seed in the whole AFC. And then uh, Tyler Huntley took over and they they played very close games, but they could not win games. And they ended up uh uh, not making the playoffs in 21, right? That's correct. Yeah, not making the playoffs in 21. Yep. 21 and 22, Tyler Huntley. Some differences. I want to talk a little bit about that. I, and one of the things I, I we kind of talked about in the, in the uh, production meeting is that we don't want to be super negative about these players. But, but Tyler Huntley, there's actually, you know, we have to talk about some weaknesses and it's going to seem like it, it's piling on a little bit. But um, he's still working with a 76.6 uh, passer rating career. It's not really improving. It was 77.2 in 2022. And, and by today's standards, that's utterly terrible. That actually is very close to what Johnny Unitas's career passer rating was. Oh, that's funny. That's that's really interesting <laughs> how that's how that's really just the game has progressed, I guess. Yeah. 
uh, 5.24 yards per attempt uh, in 2022, which is awful. And unfortunately, that was a career high. 4.89 is his career number. So we used to get on Joe Flacco for being in the fives, but uh, uh, but it's 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 bad. In 2021, they were really trying to scheme the ball out of his hands a lot. In 2022, he actually did, I think, a better job, certainly in the playoff game, in terms of leading the team effectively. And he had 2.98 seconds of time per throw, which is pretty darn close to what Lamar had done. Uh, I think the, the, the fear was, maybe even more in 21, that the offensive line wasn't there and they really had to get rid of the ball quickly. Um, and that was hampering everybody's statistics. Brown became a five-yard-per-target receiver. And uh, you know, no one was getting deep opportunities with that version of Huntley. Uh, and, and people want to blame that on Greg, Greg Roman. You know, the first guy to blame it on is probably Alejandro Villanueva because him playing left tackle was was really a horrendous situation for the Ravens. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, that that signing, looking back on it, um, really couldn't have gone a whole lot worse. I mean, you know, it's it's easy to kind of look back in hindsight and wonder what that Villanueva money could have uh, could have been spent on. But no, I, I totally agree with your with your assessment of Huntley. Um, that Bengals game was actually the most passing yards per attempt and air yards per attempt of Huntley's mm-hmm. career in any game where he threw more than one pass. <laughs> um, That's good. Yeah, and, and I mean, he he finished with 226 yards. So, you know, looking back at his performance last year, I, I think it's just um, – it's really interesting kind of to see it's almost like when you look at the, at when he's played, if you just separated the seasons out and didn't tell people which one came first, you know, in what order, I don't think it would be that easy to tell. Frankly, I think that last year, um, obviously when, when Huntley came into the league, I was, I was honestly shocked at how fast he was. And last year, I mean, the Ravens really weren't, letting him show off that part of his skill set. And I think that that was probably because it it seemed at that point, at least that Lamar was going to be out for an extended period of time. And really Huntley getting hurt would have, would have just probably taken away whatever hope they had. That's a really good point, by the way, is they, they needed to try and keep Huntley healthy, even, even though he, he certainly struggled during the regular season in particular. You know, he's a fast player. He's a very much a straight line, no juke runner. And and it's you, you get so used to watching Lamar making people miss and they see Tyler Huntley and he's just trying to, to take the path of least resistance. Typically, um, he had one run that I recall and I'm trying to remember the game, but uh, just ran right into a defender. It's like there wasn't even a, 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 a opportunity to avoid him and Lamar in those situations at the very least he will usually try and make some people miss and usually be successful at it but particularly in the open field but if if he's also running right at me he knows exactly how to take a tackle and you know obviously Huntley got beat up a little bit this last year uh, worse than he has in either 20 or 21 in limited playing time yeah no he he absolutely has I don't I, I think I know the play you're talking about. I can't quite place it either. I know. I mean, he did leave the Pittsburgh game um, that the Ravens uh, or actually. Yes, he, he left the one uh, that the Ravens won 16 to 14 and ended and they, they won that. And, he, and Anthony Brown, I believe, came in for the end of that one. Uh, so it may have been in that game. But but yeah, no, he uh, he's definitely quick. Like you're saying, he's he's just not really all that shifty. 
and I think that's uh, that's definitely held him back. He did manage 54 rushing yards on on nine attempts against uh, against the Bengals. Um, I, I think that with with Huntley, he, I mean he he has a cannon to an extent for an arm. I mean he can really air that thing out. I think it's more an issue of those of those medium depth throws. Certainly, some of the onus could be placed on on the Ravens' lack of offensive playmakers last year, but I, I think that's where he he's really struggled. Uh, I, Ken, I think I've heard this on your podcast before. But excuse me if I'm misspeaking, but it's it's progressing through the reads with him yeah. that that has been a big issue. If if he's not going to that first guy, um, it's sort of anybody's guess as as to what's going to happen um, when when you know he does have to move on from from that first read. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And I, you know, in the Ravens did a pretty good job of managing him just out of passing plays. And and if you look at the game where the Ravens, I believe they effectively clinched their playoff spot. If they didn't actually clinch their playoff spot on Christmas Eve against the Falcons. So Huntley was the was the quarterback for the entire game, only through 17 passes the whole game, nine completes. He did have a touchdown in their 94 rating for the game for, for what that means if you're only throwing 17 passes. But they also ran the ball 34 times. And, you know, the offense just out of necessity really had to change to to fit the quarterback um, when he's been in there. And Lamar, you'd, you'd, you'd have the option to do either. Maybe you wouldn't want to take chances. But Huntley did a very good job in that game of – uh, game management of getting enough done to win the game of realizing when he didn't have to do more to win the game. Uh, you know, they had an eight point lead late. Um, that was with two Oh three to go. So I think there's only a, 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 you know, an onside kick in that game that they attempted, or maybe they didn't even, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put the pieces together in my head now, but uh, it, it was a, um, you know, it, it was a well-managed game and, and that was good. They, they won the game against Pittsburgh as well. So, you know, it's not like he didn't have his moments that helped the Ravens make it to the playoffs. And then, you know, it, it's just the Ravens seemed so outclassed by Cincinnati. Then they went in there in week 18 and Huntley wasn't even available for that game. Right. That was a Anthony Brown was at quarterback. Correct. That's correct. Yeah. And then the next week they came back and Huntley was back. And, and it's honestly like he was a different player. And you mentioned that, you know, the rushing yards himself, the rushing yards for the team were good. I think he had, uh, he had 155, good, good amount of passing yards. He was really moving that offense. And then this Charlie Brown situation comes up again where he fumbles at the goal line stretching out and, uh, and you know, gets run back the, the distance by Sam Hubbard. And uh, unfortunately, you know, there's no way – that he avoids that being the play that Ravens fans remember him for. It's it's uh, he could almost come back, relieve in a Super Bowl, and it would be difficult to forget that play. I totally agree. I I think it's one um, that we're really going to want back. Per- personally, as a Ravens fan, I've had the privilege to to watch so many playoff games over the years. I tend to not get bent out of shape about the games I feel that the Ravens did not deserve to win. And I really, really felt like maybe if they didn't quite deserve to win that Bengals game, that that it was very close, that I was still really bummed out afterward. It it was just two plays, it, it felt like. And with the way that the defense was coming on so strong in the latter part of the second half, um, it, it, Unfortunately, I, I feel like we most of us can pretty confidently say that you know if that play went 
at all differently. And I remember listening on your show to you talk about the swing of of win probability yep. from that one play. It, w- it was just astronomical. So it, I think it is one that we're going to remember for a really long time, unfortunately. Yeah, what I remember, and I may have this wrong, but uh, 69% before the play and 14% after the play in terms of their win probability. So you can't do, I mean, it's really hard to find a single play, particularly that's a little bit earlier in the game like that. That's not the like the last play of the game where it could be, in theory, it could be 100-0 after the play, meaning you could you could be Monday Night Football in 2001 where Steve McNair tried to run the ball in on fourth and fourth and one. Um, that could be a hundred or zero, you know, a- after after that play, or very close to it because they still have to kick an extra point to win. But but in if in the uh, uh, before the play, you know, it it might have been fifty uh, fifty. So it's still only a fifty percent move in the in the thing. This to be a fifty five percent move and earlier in the fourth quarter like this, you got to have one of these swing plays. So this this is right up there with. Anthony Mitchell on the positive side, returning the blocked field goal against the Titans. I mean, it's just, it, it's a backbreaking uh, difference in the game. And it's obviously, it's something we'll remember. And uh, let's, let's try to move on from it. Cause there's, there's Tyler Huntley. It looks like will be a member of the 2023 Ravens. I kind of was not expecting that to be the case. And it's not a sure thing still because he's got an, he's on an RFA tender. 2.67 million. It's not guaranteed. So if if somebody outplays him in camp, it is still possible he would not be on the team. Um, it's also possible that they might say, we can't take this risk again with Jackson and we need another quarterback. And I think the Ravens are now in a position with Munkin that it could be a different style of quarterback than what they've typically had as their backups in the Lamar era. I totally agree. I I personally was was a little surprised to see them uh, sign Josh Johnson. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I don't. I I kind of thought it would be someone different. I mean, I think in Josh Johnson, it's it's abundantly clear uh, what you're getting at this point for for better and worse. Um, I also wonder. I haven't really. I don't know too much about the new rule for the game day quarterback elevation. Yep and how that's going to impact things for the Ravens. I would think, I mean, Josh Johnson is going to pass through, like if he needs to pass through waivers, he would, but I, I don't know that Huntley would. Yeah. Huntley is now an RFA. Yeah. He's still, I guess he's still subject to the waiver process at this point. So uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure, but the help me with the rule here. Cause I know it changed. I know there's a third quarterback that you can have. That's not on your 48 that is then available to play in the game, but I think he still has to be on your roster. He has to be on your 53 or you have to elevate him from the practice squad. I was going to say, I, I don't actually, I, I'm not sure. I thought, I thought that it could be a practice squad elevation though. And, and effectively making the game day roster a 54 man roster. If teams chose to use that dress, that emergency quarterback on game days. That's in, in news to me, and we'll have to look at that. We'll have to take a look and uh, and see if we can find that citation in the rules. Um, you know, the situation the Ravens are in with having a great quarterback and now on a second contract does not lend itself well to having a good backup quarterback. You just it, it's very difficult to spend eight million dollars a year on a really good backup quarterback when you're spending fifty two million dollars a year on your starting quarterback. 
Exactly. And I, you know, I, I think throughout the whole Lamar negotiation progress process, excuse me, I kind of wondered if that, if that was leaking its way into the calculus at all, because I mean, as, as you said earlier on this podcast, um, for, for all of the good things Lamar is, he hasn't finished any of the last three seasons for the Ravens. The last time he finished a season for the Ravens was the home uh, playoff loss to the Titans, which feels like an eternity ago. And he is the kind of guy who, I mean, when, when he's in and playing well, there's, there's probably nobody better, but that unfortunately just isn't all the time anymore. I mean, he is getting hurt and he is missing time and having a backup of a, a good solid backup quarterback in today's game is very valuable. I personally think that Huntley is really, really close to being that game manager backup quarterback. Um, I, th- I think it's those, you know, those mental errors. They're they're fairly rare. It's it's one or two a game. I remember he had a horrible interception against Cleveland. Uh, he had another bad one against against the Bengals, and then the fumble against the Bengals. If we take out those, you know, those seemingly mental mistakes, um, he, he's really close to to being that level. And you know, maybe with a fresh perspective from uh, from Munkin, um, he he can take that next step. Yeah, it's that'll be interesting to see if if Munkin can uh, uh, can bring something to that. Uh, you know, the, the rookie deal for Lamar, they went cheap the whole time, pretty much on offense. Uh, they they had a you know a high high cost defense, but the 2019 team, I've made the point many times, is one of the most efficient in NFL history, and it's even more efficient when you consider it per cap dollar spent. Uh, so it's 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 really outrageously good football team. Um, if you look at the uh, uh, the guys they had as the backup quarterbacks, though, aside from Flacco in 18 to finish the season, of course, Flacco was the starter that year. From 19 on, they've all had guys who were stylistic matches. RG3, Tyler Huntley, even Anthony Brown, who's not not the same runner, um, uh, but you know has a little bit of ability to, to, to move and uh, a little bit of mobility to get around the pocket. Uh, and Josh Johnson, of course, you know, who's now – on a second tour with the Ravens with, with, with this time around is, is somewhat similar. I think with Monken, it may give the Ravens more of a chance to go out and get a traditional guy. So if, if, if Kirk cousins was their backup, I think Monken, it would be able to adapt to that, um, you know, on a one with one week's notice. I totally agree. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's hard to tell, who I, I remember it it's feels so long ago now, but at the beginning of last regular season, I think literally before any games had been played, um, I was kind of hoping that Daniel Jones, you know, if things went a certain way for the Giants last year, that he he maybe could have come in and, and been Lamar's backup. Um, the, the polar opposite pretty much happened, but no, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I think that, um, you know, I, I'm a little bit surprised that Huntley's still here as well. Um, I, I do wonder how much that is because of Todd Munkin coming in, because with Roman, we had pretty much seen we, we all knew Huntley pretty well, uh, you know, by the end of that Bengals game, you know, for all of his pros and cons. But I, I think with that, with the fresh perspective, that's that's probably uh, the, the main hope behind keeping him on the team as of now. All right, well, let's move on. And, and what would be a good season for you and what would be a great one? But why don't you start with a, with a good season, then I'll give you my good season definition. 
Yeah, so I think it's it's a little tricky with, uh, as we said, a backup quarterback to a to a premier starting quarterback. I would say a good season for Huntley would would, uh, and again, I'm I'm trying to separate this from Lamar staying healthy as much as I can. I think it's probably him playing the same amount that he did last year, um, which I think was was about uh, five or six games. And I think just, you know, a slight improvement, you know, you're never going to eliminate the mental mistakes. But I mean, his final line in in five games was two touchdowns and three interceptions. Uh, I would say, uh, you know, if he were to play the same amount, flipping that number around and then some. um, So maybe four touchdowns, one interception and, and running the ball a little bit more, really kind of opening the field a little bit more. That's that's probably where where I would post it. Uh, but again, with a with a backup quarterback, it's it's kind of tricky because we we probably, you know, we hope he doesn't play at all except in garbage yeah. time. Yeah, oh, there you go. That's that's really how I feel about it. A good season for me, I'd define it differently. I'd say he plays well enough in camp that there's no que- question about the Ravens signing another QB. That, that they say, okay, no, we're going to stick with Huntley. Look at what he did in the preseason. He's running the ball. He's making good decisions. Uh, and uh, what we've seen in practice and and uh, and the preseason games is enough for us to be comfortable going with them. And then ideally, obviously, he wouldn't play at all. But there's not a lot of sense talking about what he would he would I, to, to my way of thinking. Anyway, I'm not trying to put down what you just did, but but there's not a lot of sense like trying to discuss like where exactly he would finish in some limited playing time because obviously he's, he you know he has to be better than he was last year during the regular season and he has to be better than he was the season before uh during the regular season even though the Ravens you know rallied around him to a certain degree and still able to run the football effectively um but but the only thing I would say is a good reason is that the that the Ravens feel happy about the money they gave him on an RFA tender enough that there's no discussion of replacing him. And I, I'd extend that to during the season as well, not just in the initial roster decision. How about a great season? What's your what's your call on that? Certainly. So I think um, for a great season, I think building on what you said, where he makes the team, period, there's no debate about it. It's a very uneventful announcement. Tyler Huntley is on the 53-man roster. Um, to start the season. Uh, I think for a great season, I mean, that probably involves him playing, I would say. And I would say it, it's really just the fact that he's take that it, it'll appear he's taken a next uh, a next step with with a new offensive coordinator, and he's he's really benefiting from that. Um, we do forget that last year he played with you know um, a, a very depleted um, offensive playmaker room as well. So you know, hopefully that group can stay relatively healthy this year and and he he's really able to to kind of build on that you know he 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 can make that second read now um cuz i mean this year it it seems like he's going to have to um with with the weapons you know outside for the ravens um mark andrews of course on the inside it, it, that that would be really huge for me if he was able to do that and i think that the ravens offense would would totally benefit yeah, you know, I, I I like yours better than what I have written because if you're just making progress towards towards making multiple reads per play would be a, would be a huge thing. Um, I I said does not see the field except in mop up duty, but he plays well enough in practice and in the preseason that he already has pretty much earned his 2024 role. So the first one, the good is just he earns his 2023 role without question, and the, and the great is he earns his 2024 role and. 
I, it wouldn't shock me if he signs another kind of a one-year, $3 million deal, or you know, I guess it would be really great if he signed a two-year, $8 million deal. That, that would indicate a lot of confidence in him uh, where, where they make a move like that. Absolutely. And so could he do the RFA tender again next year? Do you know? No. Okay. No, he, he's, he's a free agent. So he'll, 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 the Ravens will have to sign him and they might sign him for one or two years. And there may or may not be interest in him around the league. I, I, there's, a, there's a lot of spots to fill on the third quarterback rule, as you mentioned, may actually play a part in other teams discussing it. And, and also the fact that there are more mobile quarterbacks in the league may make him a larger um, uh, prize to other teams. Absolutely. Yeah. And wide variety of, of rankings on him. I saw I saw a segment where Chris. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently to the untrained ear. Everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sims ranked him as the 29th best quarterback in the league, which I was I was pretty surprised by. <laughs> uh huh. I'd, I'd have to I'd have to go through to find that there weren't 30 or 35 guys that that I thought were better. Well, let's move on and talk about Brandon Stevens. Um, uh, Another guy who had a little bit of a frustrating season uh, did seem to be playing his best football at the end of the year, as you mentioned earlier. But why don't you take us through in terms of 22, start us off in terms of what you saw, and then I'll chip in. Yeah, so I think um, it's kind of been a whirlwind with Brandon Brandon Stevens. Um, Going back to when he was drafted in the second-to-last pick of the the third round in 2021, I remember feeling fairly strongly that that was a reach. Uh, once I read more into him, I really liked his potential as, you know, potentially his his ability to play outside corner along with safety. Um, but yeah, last season, his defensive snaps from 2021, uh, he, he was on the field for, for 21% fewer snaps going from 68 to 47%, while his special team snaps increased to 56%. I think it's great that he can play special teams, but I, I don't know that that was really the hope going into the season <laughs> that his defensive snaps would decrease that much while his special team snaps increased. Nearly three quarters of his snaps were as an outside corner, um, which, you know, at first glance is encouraging. But then I think when we dig in a little bit deeper to, to how some of those games went, um, particularly the particularly the Jacksonville game, uh, even more particularly the last drive of that game. Um, it, it's tough to forget that when looking at his 2022 season to me. But like we said, he, d- he did finish it on a strong note against Atlanta and Pittsburgh. Yeah, positive thing. So you mentioned the, the outside cornerback snaps. It is where he played most of his time. He played a lot of the rest of his snaps in the slot and very little at safety. So they tried to move him to corner. And they really tried to move him at outside corner. I think it's a good thing they did that in 22. And you know, you hear good things about DaCosta talking about the end of the season that he played was playing his best at the end of the season. I certainly agree with that. But John Harbaugh has since said we're we're planning to move him back to safety. I'm looking at the Ravens cornerback room and saying they have a lot of bodies, but I don't know who they think is really 
you know, going to provide the, the the quality at corner. I don't know who would be the backup slot corner. I guess Pepe, um, when you know, if, if he's needed, but uh, it's it's really a problem. I mean, the, the outside corner position right now is so weak that it just makes all kinds of sense for me that they would keep Stevens there um, and find another safety if they have to. Honestly, that that position is a lot easier to fill particularly with the, what the Ravens ask of it. I think there's, there, there's less, but you know, the, the top three guys are all quite good with uh, Stone Williams and Hamilton. Um, now Hamilton, I think will will stay at slot corner, which, which obviously does impact Stevens. Right. Right. I, I think right now there are a lot of dominoes that, that need to fall um, as far as just kind of really clearing up his role for, for, this coming year we need to see how he performs in camp um we need to see ultimately if if marcus peters is coming back as a ufa um rocky Asin got signed and then really I, I, hamilton i i understand that the goal is for him to stay at at slot corner but then like you said it kind of just raises the question of okay well if he's needed elsewhere is brandon stevens going to go be the slot corner again presumably leaving that safety spot and then is Geno Stone going to fill in for for Stevens at safety or or sort of just what is going to happen there? Like there, there are just so many different variables there. I, I, I agree. But to me, Geno Stone is so far ahead of Stevens as a safety. I don't think you would make that change. Geno Stone filled in a free safety for Marcus Williams and the drop off was not was unbelievably not that much. So, I mean, you know, obviously everyone would prefer to have Marcus Williams at free safety over Geno Stone, but he's a good split field safety. He, you know, you want to play cover two, you, he, he can do it for you. You want him on the back end of cover one, he, he plays that nice loose bracket that, that is going for the overthrow. He's a turnover guy in particular. I just like him a lot better um, than Brandon Stevens at safety. And, and Stevens is the better, more physical athlete in total. There's no doubt about that. He's certainly faster. Um, but I think a, a lot of that speed and size could be well employed on the outside. I think in a way it's wasted at safety. And one of the things you need to have at safety is a really good tackler. And that just is not Brandon Stevens. So, I mean, if, if you're going to put him into a bigger tackling role that also de-emphasizes his speed, you're just, you're, you know, giving yourself a one-two punch to the gut. You, you don't need to do. Yeah, no that that makes a lot of sense. Do you think Stevens could overtake Rakia Sin for the for the outside corner spot? Um, I I I don't really believe so. I mean, honestly, the place I'd like to see him is about the number four corner. So I'd like to sign Peters, have Rakia Sin be the three, have him be the four, and four on the outside. You know, and then I think you got a really strong and deep group. And we know injuries happen every year at that position. Everybody misses time. It wouldn't even hurt to do some rotational play and get them all on the field early in the season. So everybody's kind of prepared to to get their chance when it inevitably comes up. But, we, you know, you got some older corners on this team now with a combination of Humphrey is not really old yet, but he's been playing in the league a few years. Um, he's just turning 27, uh, I believe, next month. Which is nice, but the uh, uh, you know Rock Yasin has been in the league a few years, and you have uh, Peters. If they bring him back, uh, certainly is is would be a guy you'd be concerned about from an injury perspective, and still love his skills, but uh, but you'd be concerned about from an injury perspective. So I think you, you got to prepare for yourself for for cornerback depth that is real, um, and and I, where I'm I'm probably even more concerned right now about the Ravens' depth at slot corner 
as opposed to on the outside. And I'm tremendously concerned on the outside. I, I, I don't know how the Ravens are going to sift through this group of guys when you go with, you know, Seymour and Worley and, and um, Trayvon Mullins and all the guys who are beyond the starting guys. How are they going to even figure out who's good enough to make a decision by the time cut time comes? No, absolutely. I mean, depending on, on how many people they keep, um, it, it, it's a crowded room already for sure. Um, you know, with, with Pepe and, and Jalen Armour Davis, uh, you know, as well, um, there are definitely going to be some decisions to make and it's, and it's kind of hard at this point to, to see how the Ravens wouldn't have to give up on one of these guys a little bit earlier than, than they maybe would have liked to. Yeah. So they've, they've had some of that recently. The guy that traded the Patriots a couple of years ago was a fifth round draft pick, I think. And they they traded him, and I, I think they essentially got their draft pick back a year deferred. Um, and uh, it, it it does happen; you just get overcrowded at a position. But uh, anyway, it uh, it is what it is. I did, I you know kind of left Jed out of there. You go back to that New England game this year; that was one of the real low points for Brandon Stevens. But think about it: Jed started the game; he's benched after nine snaps. Then they put Stevens in, and he was benched in the third quarter. I cannot ever recall seeing a game where two players got benched for non-injury reasons at the same position in one game. I cannot ever recall it happening. And left tackle, quarterback, uh, you know, defensive line, whatever it might be. But you know, I guess a cornerback is kind of a place where it might be more likely to happen than just about anywhere else. But uh, it's still. Really scary to, to see that happen. Me running back would be another good possibility if you get a couple of fumblers going in a, in the same game. Yeah, I, I was going to say maybe cornerback uh, or or like tackle. Um, I, I feel like we've been close to that a couple times, but yeah, no, I I totally agree that that was alarming, especially against um, Mac Jones. I believe mm-hmm. that was uh, when when you yep. know that was definitely the high point of, of his season um, looking, looking back on it. So until the yeah. fourth quarter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, I think um, I, I'm really interested. Harbaugh's comments about Brandon Stevens um, recently where he described him as, as something of a, of a Jack of all trades um, kind of just makes me think that, he's a free agent after the 2024 season is the goal for him to really just kind of get experience playing almost everywhere and be like the Patrick McCary of the defensive backfield. Um, Cause it seems like it's, it's kind of tough for him to get entrenched anywhere. <laughs> I, I, I so hope that is not the goal. All right. <laughs> I mean, you, you've got, you've got Kyle Hamilton on the field and he, I think has demonstrated the ability to play two positions. And I don't, I don't think there's going to be a problem if you need to move him back to safety. Uh, we could be, we could get a bad surprise, but honestly it won't be a long lasting bad surprise if we get it. And we find out he's really better close to the line of scrimmage doing all the things that he does down there. Cause he's been so good as, as a slot corner. But I, basically I look at this as like a Kemalai Correa situation, almost with Stevens as a guy who, they couldn't find a position for him. And every time they moved him, it kind of hurt him. Uh, and, uh, you know, it just, it, it, it's, I can't imagine Brandon is really happy with this. I bet, you know, some part of him is saying, look, I want to be versatile. I want to be valuable. I can play anywhere. Put me in coach. But on the other hand, put me in and give me one damn spot. You know, it's because it's, this is, 
I've got a lot to learn here, a lot to process. He may not think about it that way because he's been this guy at SMU too. They moved him on a down-by-down basis around the field between safety and corner. And it it just he, he's gotten used to it, obviously. And you know, this is a guy who who started his college career as a running back. Right. Yeah, running back at UCLA. So, I mean, he's only been in the defensive backfield probably since, what, like 2019? So, yeah, that that's pretty crazy. And I think, um, yeah, you know, I'm I'm really interested to see. And, and I think, like you just said, it really depends on where they are most comfortable playing Hamilton. Is it being that playmaker up close on the line of scrimmage? Or maybe they move him back to safety if, if they – you know, if they think he's more valuable to the team there uh, playing next to Marcus Williams or really not even next to Marcus Williams because he would be in the box most likely. I, I think you can look at their personnel moves and say they acquired Rocky Yassin. They're talking about acquiring Marcus Peters. So they have a little bit extra corner depth. I haven't heard one peep of going out and getting a slot corner. And the team is is desperate for a slot corner if, if uh, Hamilton has moved. And I don't think they want the answer to be Humphrey moving back to the slot. I just don't. I don't think it's a good answer for Humphrey at at, at this point in his career at all. Really, to move him to the inside, they, they still are going to follow with Humphrey. Um, you know, the, the number one receiver. But if he's your dedicated slot receiver, then then you lose that option to follow. Right. You know, to have him go to the outside. So I, I just I don't see that as as a good move. I also think his um, physicality and what he does to react to the football in the hands of the opponent. Uh, either at the catch point or even you know, with some of the forced fumbles he's had in the past, plays much better on the outside. It's it's not a slot characteristic. He has good second man of the ball characteristics, good ability as a pass rusher, which has really shown up that that does play well in the slot. But I think he, he gives you more on the outside um, in, in aggregate. And and I, I, I he's he's got to be a guy you treat with kid gloves as well. If you keep him on the outside, his chance to get hurt is probably less than it is in the slot. That's a great point. And that, that was about Humphrey, right? Yeah, about Humphrey, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I think that's that's where he's he's the most effective for sure. He's he's the guy who, you know, if he allows a catch, it's not the end of the world because what, you know, what's coming next, it's at least in the past there's a decent chance that it's a forced fumble. So, um yeah, that that's definitely huge. I I think just just kind of going back to how Stevens progressed last year, um Obviously, that that Jaguars game was was really, um, really a low light. But but then just, you know, playing very well in the Atlanta game and then doing very well against George Pickens, most notably on a on a third and two um, play uh, in the corner of the end zone where where he had the pass break up to force uh, to force a field goal from the two yard line. I mean, that was that was huge. Yep. Um, and then I think really just going against Cincinnati's glut of of receivers for for either of those final two games, honestly, would have been really valuable to the Ravens to see where Stevens truly was. You know, Jacksonville game at that point is is in the rearview mirror, and he has two good ones under his belt. Then when it you know it starts to really really matter against uh, against Cincinnati. Um, it, it would have been great to see that. I, th- I think that was when they brought back Worley for for something like the the 15th time last year. Yeah. Um, so it, it would have been really, really interesting to see how how Stevens played in those games. Yeah, I, I think the, the Ravens were, you know, hurt by him not being available, obviously. Um, one thing I'll say about Stevens' season that I don't think we hit on already is that he he has a lot of penalties. Eight penalties on 452 snaps is a lot. 
but he only had one penalty in the second half of the season. So a lot of that was coming early against New England. First, really three weeks of the season, I think he had about two penalties a week. Um, so it was it was in the in the uh, stretch drive. He actually had gotten over some of that grabbiness. That brings me to a point: is that I I, I don't know whether they you know they coached that out of him, but I, I have felt like this year more than any other because the Ravens usually have stars at corner. They could really use a top-flight cornerback coach who can, first of all, identify talent very quickly. Um, you know, clearly communicate what's going wrong with certain players. Try and get them to fix it, obviously. But position coaches are gold, and right now that's a place where the Ravens don't know what depth they really have, and so they're going to have to figure that out. A lot of people, a lot of eyes will be work, walk, uh, working at that. And that includes DeCosta and Harbaugh and you know other coaches, frankly, as they discuss each of these cornerbacks as they go around. But the cornerback coach's um, impact on this, both as a teacher and as a selector, is so critical. Um, it's, it's an area where if if they had $5 million or whatever the amount is, I, I don't know what the amount is for the, that they spent on Chuck Smith, but if they had you know a million or two to pay to one particular position coach, I'd look for them to bring in a great corners coach. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think just with their personnel at that position right now, um, I, I I would totally agree. Like if, if they could bring in a good corners coach to get, you know, one or two of these guys even to to just, you know, really step up, um, that that would really, really significantly change the outlook of the team for the next couple of years. Mm hmm. All right. Outstanding. So let's talk about a good season and a great season for Brandon Stevens. What's a good season to you? So I think it's probably a little bit lower, maybe even a lot lower than most of us were hoping it would be at this time. If you had asked us at the end of the 2021 regular season, um, I was pretty happy with the way that he played as a rookie. And then last year, um, I, I think it just caused a lot of confusion. Um, I think before the Atlanta game, for instance, a lot of us were, were, probably pretty down on him and then it starts to come back and then you know for non-football reasons he's he's out before he can really kind of make that final impression on us so I would probably say and and again it's so hard because of the dominoes with with you know personnel and whatnot I would probably say a 60th percentile year is he he's he plays a lot of outside corner um you know hope behind peters maybe or uh even behind rocky sin and it's similar to last year but he kind of shows that he's he's maybe a little bit better than a replacement level outside cornerback leaving us to be at least a little bit excited about his season going into his, the, the final year of his rookie deal which which would be the next year Okay, I I think that's good, and you've you've managed your expectations down in terms of that 60th percentile, which I think is always good in this. I, I'd say a good season. He retains his core special teams role. He plays on all four of the kick and return units, and and that's very important. He needs to have that uh, value to the team to make sure he's active on a weekly basis. Finds a permanent position, and honestly, if it's slot corner, I, I don't think he's the right guy for the slot. I don't think he has the the the, the skill set for it. I think his physicality works much better on the outside. Um, but I think whether it's outside corner or safety, I want him to have one position. I want him to get some opportunity to play there, hopefully due to rotation, 
Uh, but obviously injuries are so inevitable at the position. I'm fine with that if it happens um, and makes a contribution that uh, uh, is at least average cornerback play in the league. Not, not, not a, you know, a guy you have to worry about every time he's out there, but his, but his play is at least at the average level. And he's a guy who's, who's your third or fourth corner, probably your fourth would be ideal. And he's in there on a backup basis. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that makes a ton of sense. I forgot to mention special teams in, in my uh, kind of assessment, but I totally agree. I think him being out there on all four special teams units, uh, again, is is crucial. Or how about a great season? So I think in a in a great season, I can probably, again, see that a little bit clearer at outside corner. I think that that would be where I'm the most excited about him, um, you know, at the end of next season. And I think, um, you know, he starts to force some turnovers, frankly. Uh, he, he doesn't have his first career interception yet. I don't think he has a forced fumble either. So, um, you know, just starting to do a little bit of that. I know it may not necessarily be his bread and butter. That game against Pickens, um, he, he was really good and he didn't do either of those things. Uh, he did have, you know, at, at least one pass breakup. So um, I think it's him, you know, entrenching himself probably as the number two outside corner and um, and starting to force some turnovers. Uh, I, I know that that may right now, just thinking about last season, it may seem unlikely, but 80th percentile is pretty good. A good point about the the ball skills in general are not terrific. He did have seven passes defensed in the in the snaps he played, but he played a lot, kind of a lot of snaps. Um, Marlon Humphrey, by the way, only had seven passes defense last year, but your typical league leader might be in the twenty two range, something like that. And you know, you'd, you'd hope your quarterbacks, your corners, both of them are at least in the teens. Um, that of course includes your interceptions and your passes defense at the as the pros account for stats. The college at college level, it's done differently where those two are separated. Uh, I'll, I'll give you my great season is that the switch is turned on and he becomes an effective player at either of those positions. And I'm not going to try and overdefine it because the Ravens are going to make their choice in terms of where he plays, but whether it's safety or outside corner by improving on his end of year play. And, and what we saw there at the end of the year, I think was good enough that there is hope he could be on the outside corner, which is one of the reasons I'm kind of frustrated by the, the talk about moving to safety. First of all, I, I don't like it from a where the Ravens depth perspective is, but I also don't like it from where I think Brandon Stevens might be more comfortable watching him play for, for the two seasons he's been here. Now, it just seems like he, he brings more to that outside corner position than he does to, to safety. But uh, in any case, the, I think the Ravens could, could much more use him a, as depth at outside corner than they can at depth at safety, but uh, we'll see how they play it out. And to me, that would be a great season is, is he, he plays somewhere effectively. One thing I can say for Brandon Stevens is I, I'd be fairly certain that he gets on the field at some point at some position this year just because of the way things happen in the secondary and, and the likelihood of injury. Yeah, no, th- that that's a great point. I think that um, we're not really going to know, like like obviously the plan as, as of this very moment um, it is for safety, but um, – We'll see. You know, I'm I'm really I'm really excited to see how he plays in camp and in the preseason and, and really just what the team's plan is for him. I think he had to have figured in, um, along with um, some unhappiness from the player perspective, on uh, Chuck Clark getting traded to the Jets. I think you know um, the team was probably pretty confident that either Stevens or 
um, or Stone could could step into that role. So I'm I'm really excited to see uh, what happens with him this year. It definitely feels like a really really pivotal third year for him, though. Yeah, ab- absolutely agree. Dan, always great talking football with you. You're very prepared for the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, you're able to go into great detail uh, about this, and uh, this will post uh, soon, hopefully. Uh, we're recording this on the 13th. We'll hope it'll be up by uh, no later than about the 20th uh, at, at the latest. Uh, tell folks where they can find find you and uh, talk football online. Absolutely. Yeah. Th- thank you, as always, for having me, Ken. It's, it's always so much fun. Uh, I am on Twitter at DRE8820. All right. Outstanding. Uh, you should be doing some writing or podcasting, Dan, and maybe we'll talk about that after we after we get off air here. But uh, other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. We're kind of closing down the That One Play uh, series. But uh, if you want to talk about anything else, feel free. If you really have a, a That One Play you want to do, um, I'll still do it with you. Just uh, uh, send me a DM on Twitter. As I said, I'll get right back to you very quickly. Dan, thanks again for coming on. Thank you so much, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.